It's good stuff. Man, we're so excited to have you guys here. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to Acts chapter 2, the last 10 verses. And uh, we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit. And if those of you that are now just newly joining us, we've been going back to the original source of what happened, the 13 different characteristics of what God did in the early church and what happened when the Holy Spirit hit the room. And so we've been going line by line talking about these things in the recap so that we're all on the same page. The first thing that began to happen in the early church was repentance. We learned that repentance is not just belief and it's not just confession, but it's belief and confession that leads to change lives. If the kind of uh, gospel that you've been presented doesn't, doesn't demand a change in life, then you've been presented a false gospel. Now, you can't do it on your own. How many of us have tried to change our life on our own? It doesn't work. But it's the Spirit of God that leads us to a place of repentance. And so if we just believe in God, what we have is we have uh, what, what, what's on par with the, even the demons believe. So belief is genuineness and authentic belief. So a lot of us have a theory of God, but not a belief in God. And so this morning, we want you to know that there's something beyond belief and confession. It's this thing called repentance. And then we learned, what was the second characteristic? It's baptism. It says, repent and be baptized. Water baptism is something that Scripture says that we need to do. I was just doing some studying this week and some reminiscing or reminding of even how Jesus got baptized. And I want to talk to, culturally speaking, some things that we've got to change about how we even walk through water baptisms in our church with new people that just gave their heart to Jesus. So if you were one of the five that just gave your heart to Jesus and you're serious about dedicating your, your life to Jesus, the Bible says, look, look to your neighbor and say the Bible says, the Bible says the next step is to get water baptized, to publicly confess your faith. And the reason why it's important, look to the example of Jesus. Jesus, when he got baptized, he didn't go try to find his mom and his cousins and say, let's go down to the, to the river and let's secretly do it. What did he do? He went to the baptizer of the day and publicly in front of everybody made it known, made it known that he was going to follow God. And so what we got to be careful of is in our culture is to make water baptism comfortable. By its nature, water baptism is supposed to be uncomfortable. I know that's horrible for all of us introverts and people that get nervous in front of crowds. But it's of my assessment that one of the greatest things that we can do as a church body is encourage people to publicly confess their faith. Now, whether that's all of us going down to the river and championing and, and shouting, shouting the roof down on people that are getting water baptized, I believe that your water baptism needs to be public. The second thing I noticed about Christ when he got water baptized, it was his decision. How many know, trivia really quick, how old was approximately Jesus when he got baptized? 30, right? So it wasn't that he was an infant and got baptized, it was that he was able to decide for himself and publicly declare that he was going to follow in God's will. So we teach here that, that you have to publicly declare for yourself. That's why we don't practice infant baptisms. It's because we, we believe that a personal decision has to be made. So if you got water baptized as an infant, I would suggest to you that it's time, it's time for you to make a decision in your, in your own will. And the third thing that, that Christ's baptism did is it launched his purpose. There was something publicly that happened when he said, I'm going to follow after God's will, and it launched him into his ministry and purpose. And so if you're, if you're one of those types of people that have been in the church wandering, or you have lacked purpose, 
I think water baptism is a great step because what you're telling the world is, is I'm going to find my identity, not in the world or even in my own opinion. I'm going to find my identity in him. You tracking with me this morning? I feel like we've been at a buffet this morning and 60 minutes was like, pastor, there's a lot of fill up that's going on here, but I'm going to, I'm going to get where we're going to go this morning. Um, So uh, repent and be baptized. The the next thing we talked about is being filled with the Holy Spirit. We believe that there is, there is something more. Acts chapter 2 teaches us in the upper room that there is something beyond salvation that God gives us where he puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. There's a baptism in the Holy Spirit where it becomes overflowing. What an incredible day that is, is when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing we talked about is what? They devoted themselves. We talked about devotion. There's three types of devotion. There's no devotion, mixed devotion, and full devotion. And we got to be careful that we're not in the church uh, just, just going along with being mixed devotion or mixed with the world and doing what the world does Monday to Saturday then coming to church on Sunday. And, and we can't be mixed devoted. We can't even be not devoted. We have to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. What were they devoted to? They were devoted to fellowship. We talked last week or two weeks ago about the miracle of fellowship. We talked about how the greatest miracle that actually happens in the church, ready for this one, is that people actually get along with each other. Is that incredible? I mean, could you imagine sitting next to a Republican or Democrat this morning and actually getting along with them? Is it even possible, you know? Is it even possible to love your enemy? Is it even, is it even possible to love those that persecute you? Is it even possible to love people, wait for it, that you actually disagree with? I mean, oh, the audacity. You know, it's crazy stuff. But the Bible says that there was, they were devoted to fellowship. And I want to be very clear. I think one of the greatest lies that the church has bought into is they've bought into that diversity is to be a part of the church. Diversity in gifts is to be part of the church, but unity is to be part of the church. We're supposed to walk in unity of doctrine, of spirit. We're, we're supposed to be united. Look to your neighbor and say, that means we've got to be friends. That means we've got to like, agree on some things. Right? So the Bible says that their devotion started with a genuine love for each other in fellowship, and that extended to, ready for it? They begin to, to study the apostles' doctrine. They begin to study the word of God and saying these things are the unchangeable things that we're going to agree, uh, we're always going to agree on. So our methods can change as a church. Our message can't change as a church. And what, if you're not careful, you'll allow the world to come into the church and try to change the beliefs of the church. But when that happens, you become not the church. You become a facsimile or a copy of the church. And so it's important that you, you know what you believe. And, and it's, it's our job as pastors and teachers and staff and those of us that are mature among us. But it's ultimately your responsibility to dig into your word. Come on, somebody. Dust that thing off. Look at your neighbor and say, dust the word off. Dust the word off, get in the word, start getting with someone that's maybe a step or two ahead of you and ask them how they started and what they did and how they they dove in. Because it's important that you begin to understand that you have to be devoted to a conviction or a teaching or a doctrine. And doctrine doesn't have to be complicated. I think we make it complicated. I think we make it to where it's like, you know, carry the one times two, and we just try to, you know, we try to act smarter than it really is. What makes the gospel powerful is what? It's simple, right? God didn't just come to save you from your sin. 
He came to restore you into a, a, a greater purpose in your life that, that what you were intended for. You, you tracking with me? God doesn't just save you from something, he saves you to something. And so I'm thankful that we have a, a life that's found in Jesus. And the Bible says, and the two things I want to focus on this morning in the, in the 17 minutes that I'm going to have with you, I feel like, again, we're at Hometown Buffet right now, and you guys have eaten the dessert first, and now you get the meat second, all right? They said that we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, and that many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. So ready, verse number, let's read verse number, uh, Acts chapter 2, let's start in verse 42. And here's what it says. And they devoted themselves to what again? The apostles' teaching, devoted themselves to the fellowship, the breaking of the bread. That's not like going to Mod Pizza afterwards. That's actually referencing communion. And they devoted themselves to praying. Everyone gasped, we should be a praying church. Can you not even pray with me for an hour? Jesus was asking the believers. Verse number 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the who? The apostles. It's interesting to, to note that in, in verse number 43, it doesn't say that and many wonders and signs were done through everybody. It says that they were done through the apostles. Why is it important, and this is what I want to talk to you for the next few moments about, why is it important for the leadership of a church to be all in and exampling what it means to walk a radical obedience before Jesus? And I want to talk to you just for the next few moments on what has happened to all of our leaders. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we ask for wisdom and clarity to come. Father, we've invited you in this space to lead and guide. And Father, we ask that you would have your way in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Apostles. Apostles in the original actually mean, meant sent ones. Today, we oftentimes pick our pastors or our church leaders or those that labor among us as leaders of the church by, by how much money they give in the church, how influential they are in the community, um, how good business people they are. And those aren't necessarily bad attributes to have, but what makes an apostle an apostle is that they were sent by God. And it's not just the 12 original disciples who turned to the uh, apostles. The Bible talks about it in Luke chapter, I think it's chapter 10. Some manuscripts say that he sent 70 out. Some manuscripts say he sent 72 out, two by two into cities all over, the, all over the region, and gave specific instructions to these sent ones to preach the gospel. And if people don't receive the gospel, one of the instructions was what? Shake the dust off your very feet and just keep moving on. What a, what a tragedy is when you go to a community and you're preaching the gospel and they don't receive the message of hope. The Bible says, you know, get out of that woe to those cities. Look to your neighbor and say, woe to you, if you don't accept the, the teaching of the woe to you. It's, it's incredible. And so we, we begin to see how the apostles or the sent ones were, the, were to be the trailblazers of the church. That, that people could actually say, those, those people are people that, like as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And we, we often wonder, like in the fivefold ministry gifts, we understand what, what teacher, teachers do. We understand what, what pastors do. We understand what evangelists do. We spend a few moments talking about what the office of the prophet is. But those apostles, those trailblazers, go into communities and bring 
the, the move of God that is designed for that region. Is everyone tracking with me all across this room? It's important for you to understand this. The, the, the apostolic gift is important. Let me explain it to you with this, this story. Uh, years ago, I watched this documentary called Free Solo. You guys ever watch Free Solo? It's where this guy climbs El Capitan in Yosemite without any ropes. Now, I don't know about you, but heights to me are like three rungs on a ladder. If I get three rungs on a ladder, I turn it on, into a Pentecostal down at an altar. My knees start shaking. I get, I get scared. I know all of you guys in construction are like, you're, you know, you're just a sissy. But my son does better with, with ladders than I do. But you get me three rungs on a ladder, and you might as well, I mean, it's a problem. I mean, it is definitely a problem. Uh, free Solo is this story of this man that free soloed El Capitan, um, with no ropes, no hindrances, and it got me because we went to go visit Yosemite several years ago, and it got me into this research mode. One of the coolest stories that I've ever heard about Yosemite is this one that follows. In 1872 and continuing for almost a century, in which burning hot embers were spilled from the top of a glacier point in Yosemite National Park to the valley 3,000 feet below, from a distance it appeared as a glowing waterfall. The owners of the Glacier Point Hotel conducted the firefall. History has it that David Curry, the founder of Curry Village, would stand at the base of the fall and he would yell, let the fire fall, each night as a signal to start pushing the embers over. Firefall ended in, in 1968, in January 1968, when the National Park Service ordered it to stop because the overwhelming number of visitors that it attracted trampled meadows to see it and because it was not a natural event. The National Park Service wanted to preserve the valley, returning it to its natural state. But as many of you know or should already understand that the Glacier Point Hotel was destroyed by fire one year later and was not rebuilt. It's amazing what we remember when we look back on something we enjoyed. When you read the history of this event that they would call the firefall, the story goes that years later, the families made it their tradition to remember when the fire fell from the granite slopes of Yosemite National Forest, and they would say things like this, don't you remember when the fire fell? They remembered the event, but they didn't actually remember the purpose of the event. The event wasn't established just to burn trees and create a cool photographic event. The event was actually created to thin the forest of dead trees and to spend a week time with those closest to them. I believe that is what the church has done with the Holy Spirit. We speak as if through tradition the Holy Spirit was an event that was passed down from us, from other people, to us from other people. We speak fondly of the times we had of the experience, but never do we speak of the reason why the Holy Spirit was given. We speak of style but we don't speak of the conviction. We speak of the, the songs that we sang, but we don't spe speak about the fervor in which we sang them. We, don't, we, we speak of the, 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 the result, but we don't really speak of the reason why the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. Just like, just like those years ago in Yosemite Valley, they did that event and allowed the fire to fall, because why? It removes the dead things in our lives and brings to life the things that really matter. That's the job of the Holy Spirit in the church. If you do not have the Holy Spirit activated in the church, what you have 
is a whole bunch of dead things rising up and dead things begat dead things. One of the signs you've treated the Holy Spirit like an event is that you remember the expression more than the reason. Luke chapter 10 tells this story of the apostles that were sent out into town to town. Let me give you some backstory in Luke chapter 9. When the disciples, when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, don't, don't you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you don't even know what manner of spirit are you. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy lives, but to save lives. They were caught up in their authority when God was trying to get them caught up in their love. Luke chapter 10, let's read it again. Let's read it for the first time. The harvest is great, the laborers are few. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out in the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. So we have some, some baseline in Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10, we have some baseline abilities or understanding of what apostles' jobs were to do in cities. They were, they were called to create a channel for the move of God. Listen to Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And listen to what he says. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What an incredible thing that must have been. Could you imagine if, if you're sitting in Jesus' perspective and you sent these 72 sent ones out? The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness over this age. Like there is, a, there is an oppression that God or that the enemy puts over communities and cities. You guys understand that? It's the reason why if you go to the Bay Area in California, or you go to New York City, or you, you go to different kinds of communities, you'll oftentimes feel and sense different kinds of oppressions. So he, the Bible says that Jesus sent these apostles out, and as he sent them out, they were not just warring in the natural, they were warring in the supernatural. They weren't just warring with things that they could see, they were warring against things that they could not see. And from Jesus' perspective, think about this, as they begin to war in the authority that, God, that Christ had given them, the Bible says that he began to see lightning fall from heaven. Strongholds beginning to come down. Don't you want to be part of that kind of church? Where, where the very community that you're a part of begins to shift and change because you begin to walk in the authority that God has given you? When, when, you, when you see the homelessness in our community, when you see the drug use in our community, when you see the, the relational dysfunction in our community between families, when you see the oppressions that, that are over Grants Pass and, and, the, and the Rogue Valley, when you, see, when you see the poverty spirit over, over this community, wouldn't you like to be part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, but does the shaking? Isn't that incredible? And so the first step is knowing who you are. And so the, the question that I have for our church this morning is where are those types of leaders in the church? Where are they at? Because that's what it's going to take to see what God wants to do in our community. It's going to take, listen to me, don't mystify it. Don't, don't think that you're, you're, that can never be you. If you begin to look at yourself the way that God sees you,
You are a, not just a conqueror, you are a more than a conqueror. That through what Christ did on the cross and the empty tomb, you have now given, been given the authority. What, is the, what does scripture say? The same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Think about that promise. And so you have the ability as a sent one to be atmosphere changers. You do. Look to your neighbor and say, you have that ability, that authority. And I, I want to, listen to me. I want to just speak as clearly and plainly as I can because our church has a window. This window of opportunity that is passing us by. And if we, if we let this window of opportunity pass us by, we're going to have to wait for the next window. And I don't want to wait because I want God to do what he wants to do in this city through this church. That's what I want. There's a window. There's a window in the next three and a half years in our church to remodel all of our facilities, to let the, church, let the community know that we're going to be here for the next hundred years, to, to know that this church is, is alive and not dead, that we're growing and we're not shrinking, that, we're, that we are leaders in this community. And just so you know, who, this is who I'm, I'm talking to you. Take your pointy finger and point it to you and say, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the new Christian that just got saved this morning and the one who's been saved for 50 years thinking your time's up. Your time's not up. As long as you've got breath, God's got a plan for you. I believe the greatest workforce in this church is those of us, those of you guys that are retired. You have the energy, the time, the effort, and God is going to recommission you in the greatest ways imaginable. And you are the answer for what God wants to do in our community. I believe, I believe that it's time for lightning to come down over Grants Pass. That the strongholds that have held churches back for years, it's over. That revival's not coming, it's here. Here, here's, here's what I've been praying for. The last two and a half weeks, I've had more distractions, and I don't want to belittle what I've been through as distractions. There's been some distractions, but there's been some heavy stuff that have hit my wife and I the last two and a half weeks as your pastor. We've had community leaders call us. We've had issues in ministries. We've had, we've had decisions that are needing to be made. We've got personal financial issues. But listen to me, God has met us at every point of the need. I've, I had, a, I had a gentleman in this church literally come hand me some, some money. I had no idea what the money was for. He said, Pastor, I just felt like I was supposed to bless you. Think about this one. The exact money that he gave me two weeks later fixed a broken radiator in my truck, and it was the exact money that I got charged for my radiator. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that if you will just walk in God and his, and his authority and his promise and his will... We still like to worry, don't we? We still like to have those kinds of headaches because worrying makes us, I guess, feel better. I don't know. But listen to me. We have an opportunity in this window to see lightning or the enemy's strongholds over communities fall down. But it's going to take you. It's going to take the new person that just came to faith. It's going to take the person that's been here for 50 and 60 years. The leaders. And you would hear this kind of vernacular in the old churches. You would, you would hear the pillars of the church. Those people that, that those old timers that would come up to you. Some of you are young here this morning, but back in the days, young, like the older generation wasn't scared to talk to the younger generation. 
And they would go up to them and they would say things like this. Man, I'm so proud of you, Cecil. You're a man of God. God's going to do incredible things in your life. But let me give you a couple bits of advice. One, every time those doors are open, you should be there. Remember that kind of advice? Second kind of advice is not only every time those doors are open, you should be there, but you shouldn't just be a consumer. You should come and learn how to serve. Because you're going to find fulfillment in life not by what you receive, but by what you give. Right? And you're going to learn how to give. Right? And, and it's not going to just, just to be about you because life's not about you. You're going to, I'm, thank you for letting me pick on you this morning. You're like, I'm just using you as an example, okay? That's all right. And then they, they would say things like this. Hey, your Bible, read it every day. Don't feel like you have to understand it all, but just start day by day, diving in. And I'm, not only that, I'm going to meet you once a week. That's what the old generation used to do with the young generation until the enemy got involved and started separating generations. We separate the kids in one side of the room. We separate the youth in the other side of the room. Then the traditions meet on Thursday. I want to just tell you, you are the body of Christ. You are more than conquerors. A church is at its strongest. It's when the old generation uplifts the young generation. And the young generation becomes a spearhead for the move of God. And the old generation is allowed to champion the younger generation and not feel like they're overlooked. That's good preaching, Pastor. That's, just, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. What I am believing for, so these distractions start coming our way, and I'm reminded. I'm reminded that oftentimes the enemy will cause the most distractions in the seasons where God wants the most advancement. The, the Bible, not the Bible, scientists say that there has to be certain, listen to me, atmospheric conditions for lightning to take place. I want you to track with me this morning. One of which, there's got to be a storm. If you want to make a difference in your community, you cannot be afraid of the storm. You cannot be afraid of the person in the church that makes a bad mistake and everyone wants to run from them. No, that's the storm where you run to them and with grace, grow and restore them. When, when you have to stand strong in a culture that's telling you to be weak, weak need, you can't be afraid of the storm. You can't be afraid of controversy. If, listen to me. If you're going to want to see lightning strike in heaven or the enemy falling from strongholds down, if you're going to want to be an apostolic church in ministry that wants to see people get saved and life transformed and kids raised up to go in the ministry, and if you want to be an advancing church, who wants to be an advancing church? You cannot be afraid of the storm. You cannot be afraid of the drug addict. You cannot be afraid of the prostitute. You cannot be afraid of the business person. You cannot be afraid of the, of the county official. You cannot be afraid of the city officials. You have to welcome anybody and everybody to be a part of a life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. One of the things that that scripture says in Luke chapter 10 is, is it says that the 72, ready for this one? Brooke, if you can come back to the keyboard. The 72 returned with joy. Do you, do you know that you can be happy while you do the things of God? Do you know that you can actually smile at pastor when pastor's preaching? Thank you, babe. Do you know that I get preacher sweats? Do you know? Do you know, do you know, do you know? 
that you can actually enjoy and love and champion people in your community? Like, you realize that we don't have enemies, we have mission fields? Do you realize that we can have joy in our face, joy in our heart? We can choose joy even in the middle of a storm? I want the kind of church, when people walk in here, it is radically hospitable. That, that there is so much passion that exudes in this sanctuary, that there's hands lifted up, there's praise that goes forth, that people, when they come in and they think that they're shamed to be there, they're not shamed, but they're loved. That every lie of the enemy over people's lives goes away. Think about being part of a church that sees strongholds going down. I want to be part of a church that sees those strongholds go down. There's got to be a storm. There's got to be a storm. There's got to be a storm. Look to your neighbor and say, there's got to be a storm. And there's also, when lightning occurs, there always comes with it a sound. The enemy, the moment that you know that you're over what God wants you to, to, to have, the enemy starts making a sound. You can't do it. You'll never amount to anything. Look at your past. God's never going to use you. Your ministry's dead. It's over. You're too old. The enemy starts making the sound of lies. It's going to fail. It's not going to work. You're never going to be restored. The enemy comes and he starts to make a sound. And the sound is always contrary to what the word of God speaks over your life. The enemy's sound is full of condemnation and shame. But then there's a sound that God makes. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they were sitting in the upper room and suddenly there came what? A sound. There's often times when God wants to begin to do something in a church, there's competing sounds. I've been as a staff pastor for 21 years as my pastor would declare the things that he would see God doing through and in the church. I was that guy for a number of years where I would, I would go, well, that can't happen. That's too ambitious. That's too faith-filled. And the Lord began to convict me. What kind of sound are you going to let out of your mouth? What kind of sound are you going to... Are you going to have the kind of sound that causes lightning to strike or lightning to remain? So listen to me. If you're going to want to make an impact, Parkway, you can't be scared of the, the storm and you can't be scared of the sound. And I want you to know, I want you to know, this is what I felt like I was supposed to tell the church today. The greatest days of this ministry are not just in the past and they're not just in the future. The greatest things that God wants to do in this church and in this ministry in the face of everything that I've been battling for two and a half weeks, they're right now. They're right now. The enemy brings the sound right when he's about to be defeated.
And then the sound of praise begins to, to let loose. You know what happened today during church? The sound of praise began to come. The sound of praise began to come. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see God do something incredible. The, the greatest characteristic that we can begin to see that the Holy Spirit's involved in this church is that we see a little storm and we hear a little sound. Who wants to sign up for some testings and some trials? Who wants to sign up for some, some crazy meetings? Who wants to sign up to, to, to see strongholds torn down in communities and cities that have been there for years? I, I was reminded this morning, would you guys stand to your feet? Thank you guys for, for humoring me this last several moments. I felt like I was just like the, the dessert at the end of what God was doing today. My, my, older, my older brother, um, he was my hero, he is my hero. He's several years older than me. And we weren't close enough in age to be rivals. We were close enough in age to where he thought I was really cool and I thought he was the greatest of all time. But we would go out in the field together and he would have a football and he would say, he would say, go deep. How many have had older brothers like this? He would say, go deep. And I would start running. And I would be like 20 yards out, 30 yards out, 40 yards out. He would go, go deeper. And I'd be 50 yards out, 60 yards out, 70 yards out. And he would go, I can't throw that far. Come, let's try it again. I was reminded of, of a lot of us have been waiting on the promises of God in our life. And we've got, gotten weary in well-doing. Because we've, we've heard it before, like the promise is here. It's coming. And we've heard God whisper, go deep. And you're like, I'm tired. I've gone deep 13 times and I still haven't ever received, but I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you this this morning. The ball's in the air. The ball's in the air. And if you will just run, if this church will just run after its purpose, this building is not big enough for what God wants to do in this community. There are going to be so many young people. Where's Chase at? There's going to be so many young people and young adults that are going to be coming to our church and the internship program, people that are called of God. We're going to be sending, see, so we're going to be sending young, young ministers out, youth pastors and young adult pastors and kids pastors and worship pastors. Gavin, it's not by chance that you're here. The, the, the idea that, that what is just starting right now, the enemy is wanting to bring disruption and storms to, but I want you to know that when you hear the storm brewing and you hear the sound of the enemy, what should you do? Just smile and say, Lord, we are ready for lightning to fall on our community because strongholds are getting ready to come down. Amen? Amen? Let your faith arise. Let your faith arise. God is going to do a work and is doing a work in our community, in our city. Mark Swanberg, would you come grab this microphone? And I want you to pray a prayer of faith as we close over this, over this uh, service today. And if you've got anything to share, you can, you can share it too. But if you just want to pray, I felt like the Lord, as you were praying this morning, you know, because we have pre-service prayer if you guys want to be radicals and show up. We start about 9.15 or 9 o'clock or whenever we start getting back there. But your confession about what God's doing in this place, what he's building, what he's, what he's doing, what you're sensing, I want you, every one of you, to know 
God's doing something. He's doing something. And I want you to pray the kind of prayer that sends and commissions our people out of this building to go in their world for Jesus. But God's doing something. Hallelujah. So, Father, I just thank you for this season that we're in. I, uh, man, the thing that you want to do in this community through, through this church and these churches in this community. Um, someone spoke recently and said there's, there's, a, there's a train and it's coming and the word of the Lord is, I'm not going to hold the train back anymore. It's on the tracks. It's coming. It's here. And the analogy that we got this morning with the football being in the air, it lines up exactly with what I believe was that prophetic message. Your word says that you want to do a work in us that is even farther than what we can imagine. Yes. Father, we just want to be a part of that. We, 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 just, we just bend our knee to you and say, the harvest is ripe. Use us. Use us for your kingdom, God. We yes. want to see people healed. We want to see people delivered. We want to see the captives set free. We want to see the downcast lifted up in this community. Yes. Father, so our prayer to you is just that you would use us. I pray for every man, woman, and child in this, uh, in this congregation. Father, that you would set a fire in the belly of every single person. Yes. I pray that you would begin to show your revelation of what it is that you want to do through each person in this community, that people would be saved, that your name would be glorified, that your train would fill the temple, that you would be lifted up and exalted like you deserve. And so, Father, I just pray yes. uh, in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit, even now, yes. right now, would yes. commission each and every single person, yes. that you would begin to weave right now through each and every one of us in such a way that there's a unity that is undeniable father whatever you have in store we want to catch that football we want to be on the other end and yes. not for us but for your name yes we don't want to populate this church our desire is to populate heaven father i pray that this place would be full and over full and over full i pray that it would be pressed down shaken and running over that your kingdom would roll forward with mighty power. We welcome the train that's coming. We ask that you would help us to be diligent, yes. that we would uh, be in your word, that we would be on our knees, that we would be tentative to our relationships with you, Lord God, that we, we, that we would be uh, uh, paying attention to our, our relationship with each other, Lord God. Yes. Just set us on fire and use this body and I pray that you would just show each person the power, yes. that same power that rose Christ from the dead. Yes. It's in us. And we thank you for it. Use us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love each and every one of you. They're going to sing a worship song. If you need prayer, if not, go enjoy Applebee's. Make sure you tip good, all right? Okay.